Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the latest Ramble Meets with me, Andy Brassel, where our guest is Southampton captain and Denmark midfielder Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. Uh, we caught up down the line some weeks back while Pierre was in Copenhagen, where had everything run as expected, he would have been readying himself for a home-based tournament, in a sense, with his home nation, Denmark, and his home city, the capital, set to welcome Euro 2020 group games. He'll have to wait for that, of course, but there was plenty of other stuff to cover. And I had to triple check uh, with my research that Pierre's only 24, not only because he's got such a wealth of experience from Bayern Munich and the Denmark national team to the Premier League, but because he's so mature, honest, open and engaging on a number of subjects. So we hear about his relationship with Pep Guardiola, what he describes as his own mistakes along the way and how his late father inspired him. I really enjoyed it and I really hope you enjoy listening to it too. This is Ramble Meets with Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. So um, tell us a bit about your your situation at the moment. You're, you're at home in Denmark, right? How long have you been home in Denmark for? So uh, I'm home, have been home uh, for a good month now, more than a month uh, since, when was it? Uh, a couple of days before the lockdown in England. Um, I asked the club the permission to uh, travel back to Denmark because my wife has to... Uh, give birth here in Copenhagen. Okay. And she had a couple of uh, um, things uh, she had to do, you know, with the midwife. There were some nurses she had to speak to, some scans she had to attend to, like getting in the system. And uh, under normal circumstances, we would have traveled to uh, to Copenhagen if there wasn't this uh, uh, corona situation. But as the corona situation uh became more aggressive and a bit more unsure uh uncertain then uh yeah we asked the the, the club uh, listen uh we don't know how 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 it all will look like in the next coming weeks so maybe we'll and if Josephine my wife then gets problem or any any issues um god forbid you know with with the with the baby or with the pregnancy uh, will be close uh, to where she'll give birth and she'll be comfortable, you know? 
And it is, it is an unusual situation to to be back in, in, in your home country. Of course, you would have been expected to still be playing and, and playing at the most intense part of of the season. Yeah. If we if we go back to the beginning, what are your first memories of starting out playing football in, in Copenhagen? What are your first memories of, of football from when you were a small child? Yeah, uh, here when I was a kid, I think the first the first memories I got was my parents be a little bit stressed because I had to go to my first football training and it was in the evening and it was indoor and I had to uh, I wanted to play with my brother. He's a year older than me, a year and a half. He's born in '94. I'm born in '95. But I wanted to start with him. I didn't want to start alone. Um, so, but my parents were a little bit stressed because they couldn't attend. So my uncle had to pick us up and we drive with the, with the bus uh, there, direct from the kindergarten. I remember I left and uh, I didn't want to play. I didn't want to join in the first day. So I sat on the sideline and just, yeah, just uh, had a look and, and, and didn't want to play around. And when I came home, I was actually pretty sure that, yeah, I'm not going again. But then next time when we, when we went again, uh, I fell in love with the game and... and since then, I never let it go, and it just uh, it just went uh, step by step and, and and level by level. I just got more intense and more crazy about the sport and the game, and and very early also find my idols in the game. So it was all just one big love for me. And who who were those idols? Uh, early days, I was really really a big fan of uh, Ronaldo and Zidane. Uh, in the early 2000s mm. and my first big 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 memory of football was Zidane's Champions League final goal yeah. and I remember my father he, he had a job where he had to travel a lot to crisis countries um, in Africa so one time when he came home he had a very 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 fake shirt uh, with <laughs> Zidane and uh, the Real Madrid badge was yellow <laughs> but I didn't care. It was just so beautiful because it was at that time my idol. So that was my first football shirt, uh, pretty fake Real Madrid shirt from uh, Sierra Leone uh, or Guinea, one of these countries where he he travelled to. But when you think back to those those first couple of times that that, that you played I mean I, like my my children have got a similar gap between them as, as, as you and your brother and for the younger one the his older brother is his bravery he always feels a lot braver when his big brother's with him how important was it to you just to even get into football to have your brother there no uh, so much because he was the reason I wanted to start to play football because he wanted to start to play football so I joined in actually in his age group and uh, and uh, I remember that the next couple of years and I spoke with it uh, uh, with him about it a couple of weeks ago uh, when I spoke to him I said yeah actually the first couple of years I've always played with the ones who were older than me so one or two years older and that gave me a lot so when I was five to ten I played with a group age that were one to two years older and you know when you are that age one to two years is is is, is a lot you know and it's huge nowadays uh, when i'm 24 and i play with a 26 year old there's not a big difference but when you are seven and play with a nine-year-old i think there's a big difference and it's the same when you are 13 and play with a 15 year old uh, there can be a, a big difference and that's that's what i did i played early age with with yeah, with with uh, with boys who were bigger and stronger and 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 yeah, faster than me. So I had to, from day one, just adapt to to the better ones, you know. So, at what point in your childhood do you realise that hey, this could really be something, and this is something I could take all the way? And you, you go and join up with Bronby, right? When, when does all that happen? At what age? So. We went, I can't remember when it was, we had a tournament who was a little bit of an unofficial, it was an unofficial uh, 
Danmark Championship uh, Cup, you know, a summer cup, where the okay. best countries in Denmark participated, and some of the Scandinavian teams participated a lot from Sweden and Norway. And I remember we won that tournament, and I played very well, and that was one of the moments when I remember, okay, if the whole Scandinavia is, is gathered here and the best players from from is gathered here and, and I managed to to shine through, then then I had a had a I, I didn't tell myself I never told myself before I signed my professional contract that I will be a professional football player. But okay. I had a feeling that this might get very interesting if I keep going. And so you make your decision to go to to Bayern at 16 which is quite a big leap isn't it because um, <laughs> how, how did they approach you and when you discussed it with your family what made you think it was the right move because I think there are a lot of kids at that age who would think it was maybe too big a leap and maybe a bit too scary a bit too grand because Bayern are one of the biggest clubs in the world yeah of course of course but again that's maybe a little bit me some craziness a little bit of wildness a little bit of unorthodox you know I'm not thinking too much I'm just jumping into it and it was something where I just told myself listen if I'm 50 years old and I sit there and speak to my kids and my grandkids and I have to give give them advice and tell them guys you need to go for your dreams you need to go for what you're good at I need to try to have done it myself I need to try to have the experience of pursuing something I really, really love and I think that I'm really, really good at. And if I don't do it, I think the rest of my life I would have had an emptiness uh, in my personality. I don't think my personality will be nowhere near what it is uh, in good and bad, in, in good and bad. Uh, so, uh, but first of all, it was, it was, the, it was the love or the dream pursuing the dream of becoming great, of becoming world-class. And it was just there in front of me, uh, and I just had to pick it because I was so lucky that they picked me. So I did it, and I remember when I came home and, and I was speaking with my father about it, and I was I was very, very quick. I decided, okay, I want to see it. I want to speak to the people. I want to go there. And I remember I went with my father back then, my my agent, and we spoke to Romanega and Christian Nerlinger, who was back then the the sport director. Um, and it was very special because my father, I remember, was very, very, what you say, uh, he, he had, I, I saw him, he had so much respect and he was very, you know, impressed. Yeah. And and this sounds a bit cheeky, but I don't remember me being too impressed. I just remember <laughs> me seeing, yeah, where's the pitch? Okay, where's the dressing rooms? What boots are we playing in? Uh, and when can I start, you know? And that was a bit why maybe I was also not thinking too much about the consequences. Uh, and then when we came home from that two days trip or one day trip, I remember the first moment I walked in the kitchen and uh, I saw my mother she was at work and we came home in the middle of the day and when she came home from work I wasn't there so when I came home I remember walking in the kitchen and she was crying you know she was talking to my father and she was crying and then she knew and I also knew and yeah that was the start and that was that was December 2011 and I made my choice there and I went in the summer 2012 and never looked back well I, I guess when you and your dad are there you're looking at it in very different ways because you just want to play and express yourself and show how how good you are yeah. but you, you know your your father I suppose is looking at it from a you know what sort of education and football upbringing will my son receive and certainly from the outside you couldn't ask for any better Education than than growing up in the system at Bayern Munich, right? No, I think, and this is this is where I think a lot of people, a lot of football players as well, misunderstands the whole dynamic and the whole setup of Bayern Munich. They say, "Oh, superstars, they spend a lot of money, they have a lot of money, uh, their merchandise, etc., etc." But if you see the whole, 
if you see the roots and the DNA and and the mentality through the whole club, you you see you see you see players not back from the nineties, not back from the eighties, players from seventies, walking around having jobs as a technical uh, academy director or um, ambassador of the of the second team or advisor of the youth uh, academy all these sort of things it's so well organized it's so well analyzed and executed it it's 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 not a coincidence that Bayern Munich is is in the top 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 of the world and when i came and they started speaking about Schweinsteiger, Philipp Lahm, Thomas Müller, Bart Stuber, Alaba, uh, Tony Kroos. There was just some of them playing, play, coming from the academy. And they were telling me, why not you being the next one? It was just, it was just, yeah. It was crazy, but they still looked me in the eyes and said, why can't you be the next one? That's why you're here. And, and gave me such a fire such a such a desire uh, to to show myself and to 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 prove myself but still i enjoyed it so much and and to be fair i'm yeah i'm not missing it but when i think back of it it was more beautiful than i felt and i felt it was very beautiful you know what i mean because when you're in it you sometimes feel very much under pressure, uh, the time is short, uh, the concurrence is, or the, the competition is big. Uh, all these sort of things is, is 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 a factor that you sometimes take in to, to see things. But when you put all this away and you stand away, I couldn't have dreamed of a better uh, last step in my, in, or first step, last step of my youth career or first step in my senior career. But yeah, would I have been as good as I am today? Maybe not. But would I have played more in a young age, uh, first team games? Probably. You know. So it was a bit of the, a, a dilemma. I knew I was good enough with the first team in Bayern Munich, but I saw other young players playing around in different teams and different leagues, and I was like, why can't it be me? And then you start to be, and that this is this was my maybe my biggest uh, or my yeah biggest weakness. That was the impatience. I wasn't patient enough and I was very emotional and I took some, what you say, decisions where I was a bit too rash or a bit too impatient. And that was not only career choices, but it was also human being choices, you know, right. confrontations where I should have just said, listen, I'm just going to keep going and stick my head in and, and my chance will come. Uh, but, but at but one Bayern point, is, I thought I was good enough. But But Bayern's based around big personalities doesn't the environment encourage that encourage you to stand up for yourself and, and, and be a character yeah for sure for sure I, I was thrown in with 17 with the first team Jupankis came to me when I've been there for six months he said listen kid you're training now only with the first team and you're playing with the second team and the plan the club made for me was first year first season I had to play with the under 19s Second season, you play with the under-23s or the second team. And then the third season, uh, you, you might get into the first team and you get a professional contract. After nine months, I got my first professional, or after 12 months, was it? I got my first professional contract when I just turned 18. So, yeah, it was 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 so fast, so much, you know, and... and Again, like I said, impatient and, and not maybe realizing that what I had was very, very good. I thought it was the normal world. I, w I thought it was the normal world to play alongside Tony Kroos or Xavi Alonso or playing against Mario Götze and Schweinsteiger in training. I thought that was the normal because that's the only first team football I've ever seen and, and trained in. And I thought it was normal that coaches was as good at, as Hugh Pankis or Guardiola. So when you're 19 then, as I was when I went out on loan. And you don't have a father figure at home who puts the hand on your shoulder and said, listen, you're not in the right state of mind or you're too emotional or you're just not performing well enough. So you better relax and wait for your chance because where you are right now, 
they love you and they want the best out of you. So relax and wait. I didn't have anybody saying that to me. So I just took a chance and, and, and did what I felt at at the moment. But looking back, of course, was it a mistake? No, because again, I'm I'm very happy and, and very, very, I believe so much in who I am today. And it would have been for the choice that I made back then. But was I too rash at some point? Maybe, maybe I was, because I was in an environment where I could sit in the office of Ulle Hoeneß and he would speak to me and look me in the eyes and say, listen, kid, you are the Bayern Munich DNA. You're made of it. You're formed in it. And you're going to play for Bayern Munich one day. So relax. And, and as crazy as it sounds, I didn't listen to him. Enough. You know? Well, that, that's something that Pep Guardiola believed as well. And I, I guess everyone who's read the book Pep Confidential about his first season in charge at, at Bayern would say one of the things that, that stands out for all the big characters and for all the big players in there like um, Ribéry and, and Kroos and all, all, the, all the rest of them is that Guardiola focuses on you as a star of the future. I mean, were you conscious of that at the time? No. And no? No, I, I, I didn't see it that way. I only saw it in the way that, oh, I just got to be better. I just got to improve. I just got to keep competing. And I, I somehow, and I see he also, he also liked it because I saw it and I felt it. But I somehow enjoyed triggering the big stars. So when I played against Schweinsteiger, Tony Kroos or Xavi Alonso in the training, I, I like pushing them. I like going into the tackles pretty hard, you know, because they would look at me and say, what the hell are you doing? 18 year old running around like a fool and I need to play a Champions League semi-final on, on, on Tuesday. <laughs> Relax, my friend. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think twice. I would do it again, you know. That was, that was the sort of mentality I was running around with. But I was not disrespectful. I was not talking at all because I knew I had no voice. I knew I had no, no place in, in, in the hierarchy. I was down, down, down as the last man. So I had to fight on the pitch. I had to give everything on the pitch. And that's what I did. And that's, I think, also what my coach back then enjoyed a lot. I, I gave everything I had. And then after, I would do extra training with Dante, with Thomas Müller. We would shoot with Dante. We would do first touch in the air. I would come up, a fitness coach would grab my arm and say, how are your legs? How is your body? Come, we work a little bit. I would just be a part of the, this big world-class machine. And my mentality would just be like, oh, this is like, this is like sex for my mentality, you know? Like, was so, so good, was so stimulating, was so intense and then of course with the loss of my father and like I said before not having a father figure telling me to relax or or, or stepping stepping not stepping back but but just believing in that there's good and bad times and then after this period I went in a little bit of a bad time I didn't enjoy it I didn't have the same fire I didn't have the same fuss and buzz about it and uh the coach played me a little bit less, but not not a lot of like, like not much less, but just a little bit. And I'm a guy who think a lot, and and then again I reacted and showed a reaction and and took a decision by going to the coach and and taking a confrontation that I shouldn't have done. But again, it was me. It was me wanted to show the world. But again a guy or guys who have been in the game for 40 years and then they come an 18 year old telling them how it's run I wasn't telling them how it's run but telling them what I wanted mm. you know today I would just say what the f heck what I what I do was I doing but again it was me it was me in a raw version Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plushcare plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wagovi and zepbound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Are you struggling to find something to watch during lockdown? You've drained Netflix, rewatched all your old favourites, and now you need something new? Well, we're here to help. Join us for Clash of the Titles, the podcast where two movies with something in common go head-to-head in a fight to the death. Release the Kraken. Well, not death. We just decide which one is better. When they do a long shot of the crowd in the ivory tower, it's different to the close-up. And if you look closely... You can see E.T., Mickey Mouse, Chewbacca, um, no. Ewoks, and C-3PO. So when Wolfgang Peterson went to Spielberg went, yeah, uh, could you maybe um, re-edit uh, my, my movie? Uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg went, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm probably going to cut out? E-T, mate. I made that. Find your new favourite movie or revisit an old classic with me, Alex Zane, Vicky Crompton and Chris Tilly. New episodes out every Monday and Thursday. Clash of the Titles is a Stakhanov production. Everyone knows how demanding Pep Guardiola was, but after he's demanded and he's seen you giving so much, even if, by your own admission, you're sometimes a little bit headstrong, a little bit rash, you make it into the first 11 for the DFB Pokal final against Dortmund in 2014. I mean, that's a, it's a huge game. It's a big rivalry, especially at the time, with Dortmund, because it's been back and forth between them and Bayern for a couple of years. So at that moment, when you start that, that Pokal final and you play most of it, um, do you think I've made it? Yeah, I see. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Um, um, first, it was it was... It was a little bit of a little period where Pep, we played the best. We seriously, we played the best football in the world at that time. We played the best football in the world. We didn't manage to go through the, the semi-final. We got pretty beaten up by Madrid, mm. and a club like Bayern Munich don't get beaten up by Madrid at home. Was it was it four-one or three-one, four-one? That just doesn't happen. So I think the coach uh, was a little bit under pressure. Not, not, not uh, in the end, Guardiola is never under pressure yeah. because he is the coach he is. He put himself under pressure, but with his qualities, he shouldn't be under pressure. But I think he, he felt a little bit, okay, uh, if I lose the final against Dortmund, I might, I might yeah, not go, but I, it might be a difficult first year. You know, only the the Bundesliga that everybody expects you to win, and then yeah. Dortmund taking the cup. You know, so so it was a was a big week until then. I remember his assistant coming up to me, and we were just in the in the in the toilets, and I was washing hands, and he came washing hands, and he looked at me in the mirror, and he say, "How are you feeling?" I say, "Yeah, okay, I feel good." I say, "Yeah, yeah. 
just be ready for Saturday. And it was like Tuesday. And I was like, Pep never, never does his team on a Tuesday if we have to play on a Saturday. Not not in the time I knew him. So I was like, what? And uh, then when we got closer, I, I saw him pushing me and, and guiding me a lot. And, and I think I had to play a little bit further front or in the middle than I did. But then the day before the game, suddenly Alaba gets an injury. And uh, I remember in the evening he calls me on the on the uh, on the room room phone or it was a hotel room phone, you know. Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, come into my room quick." And he came in and he sat there with two laptops and and analyzing the games and he was showing me some clips and he said, "Yeah, I wanted to put you a little bit further front tomorrow, but uh, you got to pl- you're gonna play." Uh, as a fullback, but with a five, so it was more like a right midfielder. Right. Uh, um, so uh, just so you know, uh, sleep good and uh, eat your veggies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I walked out of the room and uh, yeah, I just remember putting on a movie, sleeping, waking up, having the training in the morning with the boxes. You know, didn't tell nobody, didn't tell no teammate, didn't tell anyone. And then really? when when he said it in the, I saw my mother in the in the morning. I remember because she came to the game and I saw her in the lobby. We just spoke a little bit, and then I went up in the room, relaxed, had my lunch, pre-match meal, all pretty normal. Then I remember sitting in the bus. I just before we went into the bus, yeah, we had the team meeting, and he just put me there, and he said, "Guys, just," uh, and he was not speaking about me, or he was not saying, "Guys, help him or protect him," or it's his first final, blah blah blah. He was just telling the team what to do. So he made it very natural, and and I remember two or three players in the middle of the meeting just turning their face a bit over the shoulder, looking at me like you know. And I was just looking straight, <laughs> trying to keep the face and saying, yeah, and, and and taking it as, yeah, yeah, I would expect this, you know, not showing any fear, not showing any nervousness, just taking it as, yeah, yeah, I'm expecting to play, I'm good enough to play. And, uh, yeah, that gave me a lot because I played good and I played with confidence, and but still, uh, that also sometimes makes you not forget but put your emotions a bit to side and and yeah and so so I didn't remember it as a particular difficult game to play because I just had to stick to the plan and stick to my game mm. because I knew it was good enough that was my mentality so you, you get further down the line and you've talked about how much you wanted to play by this point all the time the, the following winter you get loaned to Augsburg and in fact you you go back and win at Bayern and you set up the winning goal. But then after that, you end up being loaned to Schalke for a season. I mean, I think sometimes, we've, we've talked about this on our show before, sometimes I think people in England cannot absorb like quite what a big club Schalke is. The fact that they get 60,000 in every week and there's, there's, there's a pressure there that there's not at a lot of clubs. Was that the point where you, at Schalke where you thought, right, I've got to be playing top-level football every week and maybe at the other end of this maybe maybe I have to move on from Bayern or was that something you gradually realised through the season yeah you can yeah you, 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 I could say yes to that uh, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty difficult summer because my heart was in Munich and Bayern Munich but my mind wasn't there and again like I said when you're 19 years old it's so difficult to to take a decision without emotions or without impatience, you know. So uh, I took Schalke, and I'm 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 proud to have played for them because it's an incredible club, incredible big club. And apart from Dortmund, maybe it's the closest you get from a pressure point of view to Bayern Munich in Germany, you know. So, uh, yeah, it was amazing, but it was a very difficult start I had in Schalke. They had some very good players and I was a little bit injured in the first game and the coach then came to me and said, I'm not playing you. I said, yeah, but coach, I'm fine. Yeah, but I'm not playing you. 
because the pressure was so high, you couldn't play people who were not ready. And they won the first seven games on the run. Uh, I say they, we. And I was on the bench or all seven, you know, because the team was just winning, winning, winning. Uh, and then uh, I had to fight my way back. And I remember being a bit low on confidence and, and really it was my first time in my senior career remembering playing, going into a game with low confidence. Uh, and that was a really, really tough moment to, to overcome uh, because then you just have to wipe it all away forget where I come from. And people were still saying, yeah, he's from Bayern. But I had to forget all that, forget all my school, forget all my uh, medals, forget all my whatever I had. Just take the boots on, do the simple stuff, work as hard as you can, and then work a little bit more, train as hard as you can, and then do the basics as good as you can. And then you build yourself up. And I came to a point with myself where I said, okay, if it has to take five years, it takes five years. If it has to take 10 years, it takes 10 years. I'm going to make it to the top, but it's not going to be from today to, to tomorrow. And I remember in getting some sort of peace in myself, some sort of, not anxiousness was going away, but, but this, 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 yeah. Yeah, maybe, you know, I, I just... I I forgave myself for not achieving it as fast as I wanted to. You know what I mean? So so I some somehow made peace with myself of saying, okay, it's a process. It's a process over fifteen years, and I just made a promise to myself that day that I knew probably I wouldn't go back to Bayern as long as coach, uh, Pep was a coach, but. Yeah, I, I I just remember saying to myself, okay, one day I'm going to play a Champions League game again. And if I play the Champions League game again, I will play a Champions League final. And if I play a Champions League final, I will win it. And that was the promise I made to myself, to play a Champions League game again and then to play a Champions League final. And if it had to take 15 years, it would take 15 years. And until the day... I wouldn't, you know, let go. So I, I, I yeah, I, I made a long-term target for the first time ever in my life, you know, that the ultimate dream was to play a Champions League final. But first, I had to play one more Champions League game to be able to play a damn Champions League final. And that period in Schalke really made me grow. And the only sad thing about it was that it was through a difficult time, but again, yeah. through the toughest time, I have grown the most. And that's also, again, a little bit me. Sometimes I need a tough time to, yeah, to, to not to wake up, but to realize who I am, what I really want, and where I really want to go. It's just uh, something in me, you know? I don't know, but it's just something in me. So does does that extra bit of patience kind of, pave the way for the move to Southampton because obviously it's a, a big thing to come to the Premier League we know people all over the world watch it and footballers all over the world watch it but people looking at Southampton you can see that the club has has helped some players become with with undoubted talent become superstars like you know Mane um, Lalana, people like that what's what has the club done to you and did this all fa- factor into your decision so what the club has done that I really appreciate the most is that from day one, they believed in my qualities. And I think the most important for a football player or any sportsman or any human being is that you are surrounded with people who believe in you. But there were also times where they believed more in people in front of me than they believed in me. Didn't mean that they didn't believe in me, but there were times when I was not number one, two or three in the midfield. I was maybe number four. And uh, I'm very proud that I fought through that situation and through that period and got to show, first of all, myself that, yeah, I am the number one. And uh, eventually I was made captain 
uh, who is maybe the biggest recognition in my career uh, and the biggest uh, approval of my career. Uh, but yeah, again, uh, I came into a club and a, some sort of school and a team with, with great talents, with a great atmosphere, with, with difficulties, yes. Difficulties, yes. But players-wise and qualities-wise, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And, and yeah, uh, I almost want to say that Southampton is becoming my home, you know? I mean, is, is that a little bit of a shock, do you think, for players when they arrive in the Premier League sometime, that no matter what big clubs you've played for before and what you've done in your career, when you come into the Premier League, every squad has that depth of quality. So yes. there's not necessarily a guarantee that you get into the first team straight away. Is that something that's hard to deal with for a lot of players, do you think? I think, yes. Uh, what you're saying is, is absolutely true. I think people sometimes are bought maybe in Germany or for these 10, 15 million and they're bought to be the main guys. In England, you've had a budget where you buy these 10, 15, 20 million guys who is people who has to prove themselves, you know? So so it's, it's, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a contradiction of, of what you're expecting and what you're supposed to do. But again, I think the Premier League is the best league in the world to just go out and show what you can do and just get rewarded for it. Because the Premier League is so raw and so world-class, but on a, on, on, not on a basic level in terms of quality, but on a, on a simple level. Like, it's... it's 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 the, the it's it's so straightforward. It's it's you play hard, you play aggressive, you play straight. There's no bullshit. There's no going around. You just play the game as good as you can, and doesn't matter what team you are. So if you can show your quality, you just go up the ladder, and that's what I felt the first year or two that I was in the Premier League. That if you do if you if you do well. You, you you can play here for, for the next 10 years in the best league in the world, in the most competitive league in the world, in the richest league in the world. What bigger dream for, for, for a football player? For me, Premier League, best league in the world, most competitive league in the world, by far. And so both in terms of that and in terms of you getting the captaincy while you're at Southampton... I mean, it feels to me like this goes back to something you said elsewhere a while back where you said about your biggest strength maybe not necessarily being on the pitch but your personality and that that's something that really has come out against Southampton. How much do you think your personality has made you thrive in the atmosphere of the Premier League? I know that um, if I have to perform and if I have to, what you say, bring my A game, I... I need to take the responsibility in the game to bring the A game. And my idea of playing, of who I was, was always taking responsibility, always in the difficult moments as well. But responsibility is not always taking the ball and dribbling five guys and then trying to score. I think my biggest strength is making all the players better, you know, uh, supporting them, playing the right balls doing the right runs, fighting for them, feeding them, uh, analysing the game, reading the game, playing the game as it should be played, because there are games where you have to be more tough, there are games where you have to be more composed, there are games where you have to find the space a bit more wide or a bit more inside. So to read the game and to make my teammates better or the best players in the team even better... That's, I think that's, that's, that's what I love doing and what I do the best. Of course I have qualities and of course I, I know what to do with the ball. But to be the guy who brings the team together and who gets the best out of everyone is, is what I really feel very comfortable in and, and, and strong in. And sometimes 
saying the right thing is not always the easiest thing, you know. Uh, and 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 yeah, you gotta take the hit, you gotta take the fight, you gotta take the confrontation, but you also need to put the arm around. You need to support. You need to uh, be positive. You need to be creative. Uh, all these parts of a football players' personality is, I think, is very important, and especially if you want to be a leader, not just for one game, but for fifteen years of your career. But mainly, it's about responsibility. Take the responsibility and and don't try to do it alone, but take the responsibility and get the best people to do the best possible things. You know what I mean? To to. Yeah. I always say that um, you know, the cement, cement between the the bricks. I always like yeah. to say that that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's it, isn't it? This idea of pulling everyone together. I mean, how much of that comes from what's in you, and how much of that comes from the education you got at Bayern? Because I know you believe really strongly about. At Southampton, everything should be linked together from the under tens upwards. That you're all part of the same club, that you're all on the same page, and people around the club say that's something you've done really well as captain. The the fact that you consider it one rather than okay, we're the first team and everything else is is subordinate to us. How much of that is your personality, and how much of that is what you learned at, at Bayern about there being a, a growth and about there being. Um, different strata to, to the club I think it's a very good mixture because even before I, I came to Bayern uh, and maybe there's also a reason why I came to Bayern is because they saw me fitting in the DNA uh, fitting in the system and uh, yeah I just got I got what you say confirmed in what I felt and what I was as a human being as in a football player was was yeah, was yeah good. Uh, because in Bayern, I think you have twenty-five players taking responsibility in a squad, you know. And in other clubs, you maybe have ten, and some clubs you have five. And 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 even I had to take responsibility. I had to make sure that the players in front of me and behind me knew what was going on, speaking to them, and then it just goes up to a to a climax and becomes amazing, you know. So, finally, this was all set to be an incredible summer for you because you're home in Copenhagen at the moment, a little bit earlier than you you would have imagined. But this was going to be an incredible summer for for Denmark, really. And I know the national team's always been a a massive deal to you since you were a, a teenager. I mean, we all saw those scenes after you qualified for... Euro 2016 and you're very emotional on the pitch after that game against Serbia and this time around and obviously it's delayed a year but it's, it's still going to happen um, you've got three home games it's, it's the closest that Denmark are going to get to a home tournament in terms of championships in Scandinavia well you, you had Euro 92 in Sweden but I mean th- that couldn't happen now because the tournament was so much smaller then with, with, with only eight teams how much of a big deal is it to you when you eventually get there to to have that almost home tournament in the place where you grew up in the city where you grew up it's, it's, it's a child childhood dream it's uh, it's massive and it's also very uh, exciting you know just so exciting and so amazing that this will happen here in Copenhagen and my yeah. apartment that I have here in Copenhagen, if you go on the rooftop, you actually see the stadium. And uh, yeah, yeah. And oh, really? Uh, we got a program for the from the club. So when I had to do my runnings and my exercises, I ran. I I went around the park, and the stadium is in that park. So I was running around the park. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I've been since I was yeah since I can remember. I've been on the bike or with a ball in the hand or uh, on my dad's bike uh, up and down the stadium for forever. So uh, that's why when when uh, when when 
I get emotional playing with the national team or why I love playing with the national team so much is because I have history. It's, it's where I come from. And uh, sometimes you can't say it in words. You say it in actions or, or you express yourself by feelings. And again, like I said, when you are 19, you don't know how to control your emotions as much and you don't know how to deal with the emotions as much as you do when you are maybe 24 or 30 or 35. But the whole process of becoming who I am and who I want to be, I enjoy that so much. And in one year's time, I know I will be even a better player and a better sportsman. So when the Euro comes, and uh, if I'm performing as good as I can, I hope to be in the squad and, and playing uh, as many games as possible. And hopefully uh, doing something historical for the country. And that's, again, me dreaming a wild and crazy dream. But that's also me saying, why not? Why not Denmark being a European champion? But again, there is such a big process behind, so it's just not something you say, it's something you do. And the atmosphere at the Parken, given that it's a relatively small ground, is close to the pitch. We've seen what it's like, not just for Denmark, but for Copenhagen in those in those Champions League games. It's it's quite intense, isn't it? It could be an advantage yeah, for you guys. It's, it's nice. It's, uh, yeah, it should be intense. It should be a hot atmosphere. So that's very good. It's nice to play there. was a Stakhanov production. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.